teach this uh, doctrine and this teaching here. I pray you'd help everybody to be attentive, help us not to be distracted. Lord, help me to step aside to say the words that you'd have me to say and to, to, to preach with your power and your uh, spirit, Lord. We love you so much. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Genesis chapter number 13, and um, just by way of introduction, look at verse number 1, Genesis 13, 1. The Bible says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. Okay, so uh, if you remember from last week, Abraham came down from Israel, or from Canaan land, where he was supposed to be, and he went into Egypt. Now we see Abraham coming out of Egypt. Now, if you remember from last week, Egypt in the Bible always represents sin, it always represents bondage, it always represents the world. If you study Egypt in the Bible, uh, they're always going down into Egypt. The Bible calls it the Iron Furnace. The Bible, Egypt is not a good place in the Bible. It represents the world, and like I said, sin, uh, the bondage of sin, when they were enslaved, there represents all those things. Look at verse 2. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai. So we see uh, Abram is now getting back to, the Bible says, to where his tent had been at the beginning, and that's where he should have been the whole time. And the Bible says in verse 4, it says, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first, and there... Abram called on the name of the Lord. And this isn't the sermon this, uh, tonight, but I just want to uh, make, make note of it. Uh, he went to a certain place to meet God. Now look, Abram could have met with God anywhere. Abram could have talked to God anywhere. We understand that. But he went to a certain place, to an altar, to meet with God and to call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says. And today, the, you know, we have a place where you praise the Lord that uh, we've got, uh, you know, the priesthood of the believer. And that you don't have to go through a priest to speak to God. And the Bible says that you've got the Holy Spirit. And you can go boldly into the throne room of God. And you can pray to God anywhere. And you can read your Bible anywhere. And you can meet with God anywhere. But you know what? Today, there's still a place where you can go and specifically meet with God, and that's the local New Testament church. Abraham had a place he went to, he went back to a certain place, a certain location, to the altar, and there's where he met with, uh, with God. And people today, they'll say things like, well, I, I meet with God out in the woods, or I meet with God out on my fishing boat, I go out to nature and I meet with God. Well, you know what? In the Bible, there's a certain place, there's a specific location where you can meet with God, and that's church. You say, well, what's, what's church? Is it this building? No, this is my house. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't church, Okay. Church is not a building. The Bible says the word church is a congregation. It is a group of people. So when we're assembled together, we're church. And that's where you can meet with God. Look at verse 5. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. So they had so many things. They couldn't dwell together, is what the Bible says. Verse 7. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right, and if thou uh, depart to the right hand, then I will uh, go to the left. What Abraham is doing here, he's esteeming someone else better than himself. Philippians 2.3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem 
other better than himself. And that's what, you know, the Bible says we ought to do. And, and Abraham went to, went to Lot and he said, look Lot, we got too much stuff, we got too many people, our herdmen are fighting. He said, if you go to the left hand, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. He said, do, you choose where you want to go and I'll go the opposite way. Now, you know, it, what would have been better is if... Uh, if Lot and Abraham would have just decided, you know what, uh, instead of separating, if we got too much, why don't we just get rid of some of it and stay together? That would have been the best thing for them to do. Just get rid of uh, all these things. But they decided, you know, for whatever reason, let's separate. And I want you to see verse 10. And before we read verse 10, let me tell you what the sermon about is about this morning. All of that was introduction, just to kind of tell you the story. I want to preach a sermon tonight on the subject of biblical separation, alright? We talk about separation a lot as fundamental Baptists, and I've ne- I don't think I've preached a, an entire sermon on it yet. And I want to explain to you why we believe in separation and what that means. Now, if you look at verse 10 in Genesis chapter number 13, the Bible says, Abraham just came to Lot, right? And he said, Lot, wherever you want to go, I'll go the opposite way. But we got to separate. we got too much stuff. And in verse 10, the Bible says, And Lot lifted up his eyes. Now make note of the fact that it says that he lifted up his eyes. It says, And beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So this is, if you remember, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you go to Sodom and Gomorrah right now, you're going to find a desert and just a, a heap of, of, of nothing. But before God destroyed it, this was a beautiful place. It was well watered, uh, uh, the plain of Jordan there. They said, and here's what it says. Look at the last part of verse 10. It says, well, let's just read verse 10 again. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And here's what it says. Even as the garden of the Lord. Okay, the garden of the Lord is referring to the garden of Eden. That's the garden of the Lord. So it's saying, even as the garden of the Lord. They're saying, it's like the garden of Eden. It's so beautiful. But then look at, it says, even as the garden of the Lord, comma, like the land of Egypt... As thou comest unto Zoar. Now, and I touched on this in another sermon, but I gotta ask a question, Lot. How do you know what Egypt looks like? Well, he knows what Egypt looks like because he just came from Egypt. He just came, you know, Abraham went down to Egypt because of a lapse in faith when the famine came and he didn't think that God was going to be able to protect him and God was able to feed him. And he went down to Egypt and got himself in trouble there. And he took Lot with him and he exposed Lot to Egypt. And now when they're back to where they should be, they're back to where the altar of the Lord was and they're having to decide. Now Lot is making a choice of where he's going to live based on what he was exposed to in the previous chapter because He's saying, he looked at a place and he said, it's like the land of Egypt. Now let's look at some verses real quickly. Go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and look at verse 17. What does this have to do with biblical separation? I'll show you in a second. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse 17. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and look at verse 17. The Bible says... Wherefore, this is God speaking, he says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So God is speaking to Christians. And God is speaking, he says, I want you, and here's a commandment, be ye separate. He said, I want, what does the word separate mean? He means, go away from. He said, I want you to divide yourself from. He said, I want you to separate yourself from the world, he said, uh, saith the Lord, and he says, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now go with me to the book of Romans, chapter number 12, and look at verse 1. Very well-known passage. Romans chapter number 12, and verse 1. Just go, go back in your Bibles to the book of Romans, 
chapter number 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And look at verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of... By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want you to see the, the first part of verse 2 there. It says, this is what God is commanding. He's saying, be not conformed to this world. So 2 Corinthians 6 and he said, I want you to come out from among them. I want you to be separate. In Romans 12 too, he says, I want you to not be conformed to the world. That word conform means to be patterned, to be like the world. Now go with me just real quick to the book of 1 John, chapter number 2. 1 John, chapter number 2, and look at verse 15. 1 John, chapter number 2, and verse 15. Why does God want us to come out from among them, referring to the world, and be ye separate from the world? Why does God want us to not be conformed to this world? Well, the answer is in 1 John, chapter number 2, and verse 15. 1 John, chapter number 2, and verse 15, the Bible says, Love not the world. The world is referring to the society we live in. The world is referring to the culture we live in. He says, love not the world. And look what he says, neither the things that are in the world. He says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So can you love the world and have the love of the Father? No. Look at verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So he says, for all. That word all means all. That word all means everything. There is nothing that the world has that can come from God. Because the Bible says, for all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, he said, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So can the world produce anything that comes from the Father? No. Can we love the world and have the love of the Father? No. And God says He wants us to come out from among the world. He wants us to be separated from the world. He wants us to not be conformed from the world. He wants us to not love, to not love the world because nothing that the world offers comes from God. Nothing that the world has is from the Father. Now go back with me to the book of uh, Genesis chapter 13. In Genesis chapter number 13. Now I want to give you a few different examples as to how we should be separated. Genesis 13, and look at verse 10 again. We'll read it again. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And look what it says, even as the garden of the Lord. Now, is the garden of the Lord a good thing or a bad thing? Is the garden of Eden a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing, right? If you don't know, the garden of Eden is a good thing. God made the garden of Eden. So, Lot looks at this the plains of Jordan. He's facing towards Sodom and Gomorrah, which we know is a wicked place. And he looks at it, and here's what he thinks. He said it's even as the garden of the Lord. So he says it's like a good thing. It's like the garden that God made. And then he says, comma, like the land of Egypt. Is Egypt a good thing or a bad thing? Egypt is a bad thing. Egypt represents the world. So he says, it's like God, but it's like the world at the same time. And he unites those ideas. And he says, it's like the garden of the Lord, but it's also like the land of Egypt. Now let me tell you something. Christianity today, and I'm not talking about our Christianity, but I'm talking about the Christian movement of today. The, the worldly Christian movement 
that you find most religious churches today and most churches in America today have this idea and have this, uh, the, 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 this philosophy where they want to unite the world and they want to unite, unite Jesus Christ. They want the world plus Jesus Christ. You know what I'm talking about? I, I, I've heard people say this. They'll say, you know, if we're going to reach teenagers today. we got to get the world's rock and roll music and add the words of Jesus to it. And then that's how we're going to reach them. We're gonna, and, and here's what they're saying. They're saying they want to unite the garden of the Lord and the land of Egypt and bring it together. Because that's going to attract people. And that's what happened with Lot. Lot looked at it and he said, man, this is like the garden of the Lord. And he said, but it's also like the world. It's like the land of Egypt. And he desired that area. And he said, I want to go. I'd like to explain to you tonight that the charismatic movement of today is the world plus Jesus. The evangelical movement of today is the world plus Jesus. The Pentecostal movement of today is the world plus Jesus. Today Christians want to wear their hair like the world plus Jesus. Today ladies want to wear their pants like the world plus Jesus. Men want to wear their earrings like the world plus Jesus. Have mixed, they want to have mixed swimming. Say, so what is that talking about? It's talking about going to the beach or going in a bathing pool with men and women dressed immodestly. And, and I've heard of churches doing this as youth activities. Like, what are they doing? This is what they're doing. They're mixing uh, the world plus Jesus. They want their mixed swimming plus Jesus. Today, Christians want to get divorced like the world plus Jesus. Today, ladies would like to wear sleazy clothing. And you go to the average uh, charismatic movement to church today, and you're going to see a bunch of women dressed in sleazy uh, clothing tonight. Or, you know, they're not having church tonight, but this morning. And they're just trying to add their worldly, you know, going to a club, going to a nightclub, going to a concert style of clothing, and just add plus Jesus. The southern gospel honky-tonk music is nothing but the world's country music plus Jesus. Christian rock and roll music is nothing but the world's rock music plus Jesus. Christian rap music is nothing but the world's rap music plus Jesus. That's why we don't want classical music plus Jesus at Verity Baptist Church. I've gone to fundamental Baptist churches before where their uh, main type of music is just classical music. I've gone to churches where their main type of music is opera music. We don't want the world's opera music plus Jesus. Joel Osteen is the world plus Jesus. Billy Graham is the world plus Jesus. John Hagee is the world plus Jesus. Tim LaHaye is the world plus Jesus. Rick Warren is the world plus Jesus. Benny Hinn is the world plus Jesus. Uh, Jonathan Falwell, the son of, uh, of uh, Falwell who, who passed away, is the world plus Jesus. T.D. Jakes is the world plus Jesus. You know, books like Your Best Life Now, it's just the world plus Jesus. It's just taking the world's philosophy, the world's um, psychiatry, and adding Jesus to it. The purpose-driven life is the world plus Jesus. And that's what really what was happening there and when, when, when Lot looked over and he said, it's like God and it's like the world. And that's what our movement today wants to do. They just want to unite. They don't want to preach the Bible. They don't want to preach separation. They don't want to tell young people, hey, you ought to dress like, a, like, like the Bible tells you to dress. And you got to get that earring out of your ear. And you ought to cut your hair and not have long shaggy hair. And you ought not look like that and dress like that. You ought not. See, the, the Christian movement today, they don't want Christians to change. They just want to add Jesus to whatever they're into. And that's wrong. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. God says, I want you to be different. God says, you are a peculiar people. You're a called out people. And we've got to be different. So when it comes to our church life, when it comes to our Christianity, we ought not be trying to add the world plus Jesus. It ought to be all Jesus. You know, these songs that we sing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, To God Be the Glory, um, It Is Well with My Soul. You're not going to find those on the radio station tonight. You know why? Because it's just Jesus. 
It's not the world plus Jesus. But you know what you will find? Contemporary Christian music. Gospel Christian music. Rock and roll Christian music. You will find that stuff on the radio. Why? Because that's the world plus Jesus. But the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The Bible says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Not only that, but the problem with Lot here is this. If you go back to Genesis 13.10, the main problem that Lot had was this. He had just came out of Egypt. Now, Egypt represents the world. The representation of this passage here is that Abraham got backslidden and went into the world and he just came out of Egypt. He just came out of the world and when he came out of the world he was going back to the place where he should have been to the altar there and when Lot was making a decision as to how to serve God he looked at something that reminded him of the world that he came from. Do you understand what I'm saying? Separation is... To, is, is what we're supposed to do when it comes to separation is that we're supposed to separate ourselves from anything that reminds you from where you came out of. Does that make sense? When you came out of a false religion that is teaching works salvation, when you came out of a false religion that is teaching you that maybe you're supposed to speak in tongues to get the Holy Spirit, or that maybe you're supposed to get baptized to be saved, or that maybe you're supposed to keep the law to be saved, or that you're supposed to repent of your sins to be saved, when you come out of something that is wrong, when you come out of the world, when you come out of drugs, when you come out of alcohol, you're supposed to get away from anything that is going to remind you of the world, because the problem with Lot was not that, 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 that he wanted to go into Sodom, I'm sure he had no intention of ever living in Sodom, but when he looked at the well water plains of Jordan, he said, wow, that looks like the area I just came out of. It was like the land of Egypt. And we ought to, you know, everything about Verity Baptist Church ought to be in a way that does not remind you of the filth and the trash and the world that you came out of. That's why I don't preach in a row. Why? Because that's like the land of Egypt. That's why I don't preach wearing a turtleneck. Because that's like the land of Egypt. That's why we're not going to get rid of the pulpit and put a stool there and I'm just going to sit down and share with you. Why? Because that's like the land of Egypt. That's why, by the way, we're not going to get one of these glass pulpits. Why? Because that's like the land of Egypt. That's why we don't send out a survey and have a seeker-sensitive church because that's like the land of Egypt. That's why we don't have screens. And we never will have screens. Because that's like the land of Egypt. That's why we will never have a worship team or a drama team. Because that's like the land of Egypt. That's why our services are never going to... You're never going to walk into Verity Baptist Church and, and, and be confused as to whether you just walked into a concert or whether you walk into church. Because you go to the average charismatic church tonight, if, you know, during the week or whatever, and the lights will be off, the, the, you know, the, they have all these little spotlights going, and they'll have some person out there, and it, you're, you're, you're confused. You're, you're not sure if you just, you know, ended up at the... Arco Arena for a concert if you're in church on Sunday. And that's like the land of Egypt. That's why we don't call this the worship center. It's church. Because calling it the worship center is like the land of Egypt. That's why uh, we're, we're not, you know, that, by the way, that's why I'm not Roger or Pastor Roger or Brother Roger. I am Pastor Jimenez because that is like the land of Egypt. And that's why uh, you don't call me Father. Alright? Because that's like the land of Egypt. The Bible says in Matthew 23.9, it says, Jesus said this, And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Now obviously he's not talking about your physical dad, but he's saying, look, don't you call a man father, because that is a name reserved for God. And, and whenever, you know, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll, t- I'll be talking to somebody, and, and I'll introduce myself as a pastor, and they'll say, oh, well, Father Jimenez. I'll say, no, 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 I'm not, the, I'm not father. God is the father. Jesus said, call no man your father upon the earth. For there is, 
For one is your father, which is an enemy. And by the way, that's why I'm not reverend either. Because reverend is the name reserved for God. So I'm not Reverend Jimenez. I'm not Father Jimenez. I'm not Brother he- Roger. I'm not Pastor Roger. I'm Pastor Jimenez. Because being anything else is like the land of Egypt. That's why we don't have home cell Bible studies. And that's a big thing right now. Everybody quits their Wednesday night church and they just have these little Bible studies, these cells all across the, the city where people meet in certain areas. We don't have that. We have church on Wednesday night. Why? Because that's like the land of Egypt. That's why we don't have fill-in-the-blank outlines. Where you go to church and they give you the, the pastor's outline and, and you fill in the blanks as he, as he preaches a sermon. You know why? Because that's like the land of Egypt. And when you do that, you know, sometimes I'm preaching and half the stuff I'm saying isn't even in my notes. The Holy Spirit just comes upon me and I just start preaching. And But you know, these guys who hand out these notes, you know what that tells me? The Holy Spirit has no part in their preaching because they're just following their notes because you got to fill in your little thing. And that's why we'll never have uh, fill-in-the-blank sermon outlines. That's why we don't have a crucifix or a picture of Jesus Christ because that's like the land of Egypt and it's idolatry, by the way. That's why we, don't, we do not have baby dedications at Verity Baptist Church because that's like the land of Egypt. That's why we do not have a Christian school or, a, or we'll never have a Christian Bible college or we'll never have a Christian daycare because it's like the land of Egypt. That's why we don't chant the Lord's Prayer because it's like the land of Egypt. That's why we don't have Christian contemporary music because it's like the land of Egypt. So you've got to understand that the purpose of everything we do in Christianity is to not be like the world. If the world does something, we ought to not do it. You say, well, the world is, the, the world is doing this. Well, look, just separate yourself from the world. And come out, because the world ought to look at you and say, man, that person is different. You know, I've had, I, I just finished my enlistment in the Air Force, and I'm not in the Air Force anymore, but in the last four years that I've been in the Air Force, I've had multiple people come up to me. Just recently, about three weeks ago, I had somebody come up to me, and, and here's what they said to me. They said, you know what? I've met Christians before, but I've never met a Christian quite like you. And they were like, they were not giving me a compliment. They were like saying, "You're weird." You know, that's what they were saying to me. And I, I took it as a compliment. I'm like, "Praise the Lord!" Because why? Because here's what they were saying. They're saying, "I've known Christians, but every Christian I've ever known has been just as worldly, just as filthy, just as sinful. They drink like the world. They cuss like the world. They watch television like the world. They listen to the world's music. There's nothing different about them." And what they were saying is, "Hey, I've never seen somebody who's quite as zealous as you are." Why? Because we ought to be separate. I remember I had an older gentleman, gentleman I worked with. And he was a Christian. And he came up to me. And I remember he said to me, I, I remember, I'll, I'll never forget this. It was an older Filipino man. He came up to me and he said, I want you to know that I know that there's something different about you. And he said, I know that what's different about you is Christ. You know, that's a good testimony. And that, that's what people ought to say about you. And people shouldn't look at you. And then you, tell, you, know, you invite them to Verity Baptist Church. They say, you go to church? You know, that's not the right testimony. You know, but here's why they're, they, they don't, you know, they're, whoa, you go to church, I didn't know that. You know why? Because you're drinking with them, because you're smoking with them, because you're cussing with them, because you're living like them, because you're doing everything they do. And they say, oh, there's nothing different about you. You know what that does? That makes it so people get turned off to the world, to, to Christianity. The world does. Because then they look at us, they say, well, you got all the same issues I got. You got all the same problems I got. There's nothing different about you than there is about me. But that's not Bible Christianity. Bible Christianity ought not be this church that you walk into and it's just like the world. Everything sounds like the world. The music sounds like the world. The pastor looks like the world. The pastor's in a Hawaiian t-shirt and shorts. No, God help us. We ought to be different. There ought to be something about us where people look at us and say, man, that person that person is just a little bit, they're just a cut above the rest. They're just a little peculiar. They're just a little different. They're a little zealous. They just, there's something about them that's different. That's what our life should be.
And look at verse thir- uh, Genesis 13 and look at verse 11. Do you know why we have a problem separating ourselves from Egypt? And here's why. And here's the main reason. Verse 11, the Bible says, Then Lot chose them out, all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, where God wanted him. And Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now I want you, well, and look at verse 15, 13. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now here's the thing, here's the thing with, with Lot. He looked over at the well-watered plains of Jordan. He said, man, that area sure reminds me of the land I just came out of, Egypt. And then when he went to the plains of Jordan, here's what the Bible says he did. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. What does that mean? That means, okay, just think about this. Here's Abraham, right? Let's say Abraham is right here. And Lot, pick wherever you want to go. Sodom is over there, towards the fireplace. And Lot decides, okay, I'm going to go right here, because this is a well-watered plains of Jordan. Now, when he decides to pitch his tent... Don't you think he would have pitched his tent towards Abraham, since that's his uncle, since that's his family member, since that's the person he loves? He decides to pitch his tent. What that's saying is that he's facing his tent, and he decided to face his tent. The Bible, and look, the Bible doesn't just mention things just to mention them. There's a reason why God tells us. The Bible says that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. What was Lot doing? He started watching Sodom. He started looking at Sodom. He started paying attention to Sodom. And the Bible says that Sodom and the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now let me tell you something. Every night you go home and you sit down in front of your couch and you turn on the television, you are pitching your tent towards Sodom. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about you watching the television is pitching your tent and putting your life and getting your little children and lining them up and pitching them and, and letting them watch the world's filth and the world's wickedness. You say, what are you talking about? You know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's no television in this house. We don't watch television here. And here's why. Because I don't want to take my little kids and put them in front of the television and let them pitch their tent towards Sodom. Let me tell you something. You are pitching your tent towards Sodom every time you turn on the television and you watch Ellen DeGeneres. Or what I like to call her, Ellen Degenerate. Every time you sit down in front of the television and you watch Rachel Ray, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. Every time you sit down in front of the television and you watch The Big Bang Theory, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. Every time you sit down in front of the TV and you watch Two and a Half Men, or you watch 30 Rock, or you watch True Blood, or you watch United States of Taro, whatever that is, or you watch Friday Night Lights, or Lost, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you sit down to watch an episode of America's Got Talent, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you sit down to, to watch Hell's Kitchen, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you sit down to watch uh, So You Think You Can Dance, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you sit down to listen to uh, Justin Bieber, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you sit down to watch Twilight or Iron Man or MTV, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you sit down to go on Facebook and MySpace, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you sit down to listen to Taylor Swift or to watch American Idol or to watch Dancing with the Stars or Days of Our Lives, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you sit down to watch The Young and the Restless, or any of the Spanish telenovelas, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. I'm just adding that for all the Hispanics. <laughs> when you listen to Lady Gaga, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you're watching Karate Kid, or Inception, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you sit down to watch The Social Network, when you sit down to listen to Britney Spears, or Pink, or when you watch Leonardo DiCaprio, who's a faggot, by the way, or Johnny Depp, who I'm sure is a faggot, by the way, or Angelina Jolie, who I'm sure is a faggot, by the way, you know why? When you sit down to watch Megan Fox or Sandra Bullock. Uh, when you sit down to let your little children watch Sesame Street. Yes, I said Sesame Street. 
Sesame Street is nothing but a communist network. They just teach your kids how to be a good communist and how to go with the plan that the public school system has for, and the government has for your children. When you sit down to watch Oprah Winfrey, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you're watching Dr. Phil, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you're watching David Letterman, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you're watching Jay Leno, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you're watching Conan O'Brien, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you're watching The View, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you're watching Saturday Night Live, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you're listening to Michael Jackson, and I know he's dead, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. When you're watching that old hag, Madonna, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. I'm telling you something, when you sit down in front of the television, or the radio, or the world's entertainment, you're just taking your tent, and you're pitching it to the world. And here's the problem with that. Look at Genesis 14.12. Now Genesis 14.12 is a completely separate story, and we'll get to that next week. I just want you to see one verse. In Genesis 14.12, Bible says, And they took Lot. Now this is a story, it's talking about a battle that they had. Lot got captured in Sodom and Gomorrah. But here's what the Bible says, Genesis 14.12. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son. And look what it says. Look at the next four words. Who dwelt in Sodom. And his goods. And departed. Later, when the angels come down to, to look at Sodom before uh, God is going to destroy, the Bible says that Lot sat at the gate of Sodom. He had a position of authority in Sodom. Now, hold on a second. I'm confused. Because at the end of Genesis 13, the Bible says that Abraham, that, that Lot was dwelling in the cities of the plain of Jordan, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. But Genesis 14, we see that he's dwelling in Sodom. That word dwelling means he's living in Sodom. What happened? Well, here's the thing. Anytime you sit down and you watch Sodom and you pitch your tent towards Sodom, it's just a few verses before you're living in Sodom. And that's the truth. And you are never going to live a separated life. You say, why do you call out all those uh, TV shows and all those artists? Because I wanted to make sure I hit every single one of you. So none of you could say, oh, you just preached that because of me. I just hit all of you. You know, and, and half of those people I don't even know. My wife Googled half of them and just put them in my sermon for me. Because I don't even know who those people are. I know the ones that are dead. <laughs> but, um, but let me tell you something. You know, you say, I would never expose my children to a homosexual. But you sit them out in front of the television, and you let them watch homosexuals all night long. And then you wonder why they grow up to be a queer. You say, I, I, I would never teach my, my, my young daughter to, be, uh, to, to go into adultery, or to be a whore, or to be something like that. But you sit them out in front of the television, and you let your tent be pitched towards Sodom, and then you wonder why they're going to grow up to wear a little mini skirt and, and, and be a whore, and, and be a slut, is what the Bible says. Why? Because you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. Because you're letting them watch the world, and you're letting them get accustomed to the world, and you're letting them hear the world's music, and then, hey, when it's time for them to choose, they're going to say, I'm going to go that way, because that looks like what I'm familiar with. And they're going to pitch their tent towards Sodom, and before you know it, they're going to be living in Sodom. And you're going to be like, I'm sure Abraham saying himself, Lot, what are you doing in Sodom? Sodom is a wicked place. I want to challenge you tonight. You've got to stop pitching your tent towards Sodom. You've got to stop choosing the things that are like the land of Egypt. Because God has called you to be separate. God has called you. The Bible says, He Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. He said, I don't want you to be conformed to this world. He said, I don't want you to be patterned to this world. I don't want you to be anything like this world. Because if you, have the, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Period. Look at verse 14 in Genesis 13. We're done. This is the conclusion. We'll look at a few verses. We'll be done. 
The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Abram, after that law was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes. Now, don't just read over that. Do you think it's a coincidence that as soon as Lot leaves, and then God decides to speak to Abraham? Remember I told you, the Bible doesn't... God doesn't just give us details as fluff in the Bible. If He says something, there's a reason why He's saying it. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Abram, After that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes. Now, just make a few notes. Lot lifted up his eyes, looked at, like the land of Egypt, and decided, I'm going to go pitch my tent towards Sodom, and then ended up in Sodom. God told Abraham to lift up his eyes. You know what that's telling me? Is why don't you just look at the things and, and, and pitch your tent towards the things and make the, uh, your life towards the things that God wants you to do. You know, our kids' heroes shouldn't be the world. They shouldn't be these basketball players and these baseball players and these football players. You know who our kids' heroes should be? Paul and Peter and John or find some godly man or some godly pastor or some preacher somewhere and say, hey, let that be your hero right there. But as soon as Lot left, and here, you don't have to turn down, I'll just read this for you. Amos 3.3 says this, can two walk together except they be agreed? See, Lot wasn't doing good. I mean, while he was with Abraham, he was fine, but as soon as he got to choose what he wanted to do, he turned 18, you know, you know those teenagers, they turn 18 and they're going to do what they want. That's, that's what Lot was. And it wasn't until Lot left that God said, okay, Abraham, now I can talk to you again. And here's why. Can two walk together except they be agreed? If you're walking with Lot, then you're agreeing with Lot. That's what the Bible says. But as soon as Lot leaves, the relationship with Abraham can be restored again. And look, was it available for Lot? Yes, it was. The Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. Lot could have got right with God and had the same relationship with God that Abraham did. But because he refused to and he wanted to pitch a center of Sodom, God had to wait for Lot to leave before he could start working with Abram, but look at what verse 14 says. Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes, and look from that place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. And he begins to tell him there that he's going to give him that land. Now, we'll look at one more verse and we'll be done. I want you to just go with me to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 15. You say, Pastor Jimenez, why does it matter if something is like the land of Egypt? Why does it matter if I pitch my tent towards Sodom? Why does it matter if I watch the world and love the world and am like the world? Well, here's why. Hebrews 11.15 says this. Are you, if you're there, I want you to look down and read it. Hebrews 11.15 says, And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. See, when Abraham and Lot came out of Egypt, if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out, Egypt, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Why did Lot end up in Sodom and Abraham didn't? Here's why. One was mindful of the country they came out of. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you something right now. We're not going to, you know, what we are preaching this morning about striving together and finishing that race and contending and competing. You are not going to finish your race as a Christian if you are mindful of the land that you came out of. Because Lot went to Sodom because it reminded him of the land he came out of. And if you don't get a hold of this idea of being separated from the world, of being different from the world, of not watching what the world watches, not listening to what the world listens to, not care about what the world cares about, not do the things that the world does, and be separate, and be different, and be called out, and be holy, and be right, 
and you get yourself in your mind on the land that you came out of, you're just going to go right back. You know, that's why they tell people, if you're, if you're a recovering alcoholic, don't go into a bar. Period. So, well, I'm going to go in a bar and I'm just going to drink water. Well, yeah, you might go in there and have a, a cup of water, but before you know it, you'll be drinking. Why? Because you're a mindful of the land you came out of. That's what, and that's a biblical principle there. You know, if you got problems with gambling, you might just want to, you know, take the long way home and not drive by that casino. Because you're, if you're mindful of where you came out of, you're going to have opportunity to return. So that's why we've got to be mindful. And that's why we can't look at the world and say, man, that's like the land of Egypt. No. Egypt is bad. Don't pitch your tent towards Sodom. And just focus on godly things. Focus on the Bible. Focus on nine chapters a day. Focus on reading the Bible. Focus on soul winning. Focus on praying. Run the race and run the course that is set before us. And we'll do just fine being a peculiar... Because you know what? When you get to heaven... Because you know the Bible says that our life is but a vapor. The Bible says that, that, that our life is just a short amount of time. You know, you might live 70 years, 80 years, 90 years. And you know what? When you get to heaven, there's going to be no Madonna in heaven. Say, well, I think Madonna's saved. Well, you know, if she's saved, she's not going to be singing in heaven. I'll tell you that right now. There's going to be no Justin Bieber in heaven. There's going to be no Michael Jackson in heaven. You say, well, Michael Jackson might be in heaven right now. I, I doubt it. There's not, you're not, we're not going to sit down and, and spend hours playing video games and watching television in heaven. You're just not. So if you're going to spend, you know, eternity, like the whole, I can't even explain. It's just forever in heaven. And you're just going to be on earth for like, 70 years, 80 years. Why don't you just decide, I'm going to just lay aside every weight that does so easily beset me and run your race with patience. So that way you can obtain a crown and you can have rewards when you get to heaven. And that way you can spend eternity rejoicing of the rewards that you earned for this short amount of time. Instead of just being in heaven and being the loser who got to heaven as of by fire but did nothing for the cause of Jesus Christ because you were just too busy pitching your tent towards Sodom. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Father, we love you, Lord, so much. And Father...